Welcome to the Williamstown Church of Christ podcast. This is a sermon recording from one of our Sunday worship gatherings. We meet every Sunday at 10am on the corner of John Street and Douglas Parade, and we'd love to meet you. For more information, head to our website, willychurch.org.au. Enjoy and God bless you. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. How good are the pews? I was just thinking today, these pews are good. Pews. Anyone? No? I don't know, I just like the pews. They're a good colour, they're comfortable. I think the fans are on, the weather's nice. It just made me appreciate the pews, you know? When the, when the technology was dying at the start of the service, the pews did not fail us. That technology can never be faulted. Random opening from Lockbath, that's all right. We're going, to read, we're going to read the scriptures. We're going to read from Mark because we're studying the Gospel of Mark at the moment, the crown and the cross. And we are at the end of Mark chapter 2 and the start of, of chapter 3. And Jesus had a, had a few clashes with some Pharisees. And, and these two are the last two clashes in this little section. And he clashes over this idea of Sabbath. So we're going to find out all about Sabbath today, Sabbath rest. So rest in your pews, feel relaxed, let's strap in and read the Gospel of Mark from verse 23. One Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. We're going to get straight into the text, so keep your Bibles open if they're there, or keep your eyes on the screen. So our first verse here, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. We're going to go verse by verse today. In this verse, verse 23, don't you just see, like, you know those old school farmer movies where the farms are just, like, chewing on the grain, got their big hat, just chilling out? You know, you're picturing what I'm picturing? It's the chewing on the grain. Is that what it's called? Or I remember when we were, you know, five and smoking was still cool. Now smoking is totally not cool, I think. But when I was, like, five, it was still had a rep and, you know... I lived in the country for a year and a half and 
and we'd pretend we're smoking on the, um, you know, straw of grain. I've got that, got that picture in mind, and I just see in verse 23, like, Jesus is a chill. And being a disciple is so chill. Being a disciple means going on Sabbath walks with Jesus in the paddocks, walking through the grain fields, picking some grain, chewing on the wheat. It's a nice life. Being a disciple is fun. Oh, actually, can you go back? I wasn't meant to jump ahead. Verse 24, though, which is actually on the same screen. We meet the Pharisees. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? They say to Jesus, Why are your disciples doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Whilst being a disciple is, is pretty chill, being a Pharisee is the opposite of chill. The Pharisees are fairly, I'd even say very uptight. They're always watching. They're always watching. Like they are too, if you, if you can picture the scene, the Pharisees are, must also be in the grain field. They could be chilling with Jesus in the paddocks, picking grain heads, chewing on the wheat as well, because they are there. I mean, maybe they're gluten-free and that's why they're not participating. We cannot rule that out. I wonder if we should call them the, the gluten-free Pharisees. Um, that's an apology to my gluten-free friends. I'm a big fan of almond meal donuts, I swear. Dense, flourless brownies are the best. But, you know, the gluten-free Pharisees is catchy. The, the gluten-free Pharisees could be participating with Jesus. They are there with Jesus. And yet they spend their time watching instead of participating. Always watching. Beware of people who are always watching, church. And don't be someone who's always watching. The Pharisees were always watching. They were always judging. And they wanted to sort of get around this, you know, identity as someone who was always watching. So they put it as a question. But just because you phrase something as a question doesn't mean you're not judging. They say, Jesus, Jesus, look. Look at them. Why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Let's not be Pharisees. Let's not be people who are always watching. Let's be people who are participating. Who see what Jesus is up to and join in. Not, not see what's happening, you know, whether it's in other churches or other people and, and criticise and watch. Let's watch to join in, not watch to, to judge. Jesus knows that this is not unlawful, though. The, the Pharisees have actually missed the mark here. See, the Sabbath initially was not law. The Sabbath was, was just wisdom. In Genesis, in the creation story, God Sabbathed on the seventh day. He rested. Then in Exodus, at the, the Ten Commandments, if you've seen the movie or the Prince of Egypt, or there's like six or seven different iterations of Moses movies these days. But if you've seen any of them or you've read the Bible, you'll know the Ten Commandments. Commandment four, the Sabbath is commanded. But even still, picking grain and eating wheat is not unlawful according to the Ten Commandments. It's just that the Pharisees actually had this thing called the Mishnah. The Torah was God's law, but the Mishnah 
was this expansion pack on the law. It detailed and expanded and extrapolated God's law because they thought that that would make things somehow more clear or you could follow God's law better. So instead of the Sabbath being simply the law from Exodus, they had extrapolated this into 39 Sabbath prohibitions. So let's look at Exodus. This is, this is commandment four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, not work, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So we were made in God's image, and God rested. You can get the remote control car, Ali. It's a day of rest. God rested. And so, so humans are made in God's image and so are to rest as well. But notice this is not just like rest for the privilege. This doesn't mean you know, you, the privilege get to rest while someone does all their work for them. You don't do any work, but neither does your son or daughter, your male or female servant, no animals, no foreigner residing in your towns. This is rest for everyone. This is rest for the people, including, you know, if you've got an ox, give it a day off. I don't know how many people have an ox here, but <laughs> give it a day off. So this is, this is the, um, it needs rest. That's, that's God's law. This is the the Pharisaical law, the Mishnah. On the Sabbath, the Mishnah prohibits these activities. No sowing, no ploughing, no reaping, no binding sheaves, no threshing. Zero, I don't want to see no threshing, especially from you, Trevor. No winnowing, no selecting, no grinding. That's a bad one for me because I need to grind my fresh coffee. Can't have it pre-ground. No sifting, no kneading, no baking, which hurts me again because I want my donuts fresh. No shearing wool, no washing wool, no beading wool, no dyeing wool, no spinning, no weaving. You may not make two loops or weave two threads or separate two threads. One maximum, one thread. No tying, no untying either, no sewing stitches, no tearing, no trapping, no slaughtering, no flaying, no tanning. So wear a rash vest if you go into the beach. No scraping hide, no make marking hides, no cutting hide to shape. You may not write two or more letters or erase two or more letters, so choose your letter wisely. No building, no demolishing, no extinguishing a fire, no kindling a fire. No putting the finishing touch on an object and no transporting an object between a private domain and the public domain or for a distance of four cubits within the public domain. This is the Pharisaical Sabbath. Now, you should have an idea of of the Pharisees by now. It sort of makes sense that they would spend their Sabbath not resting, not chilling out with Jesus, you know, chewing on some grain, but lurking in the fields, looking for Sabbath breakers. And Jesus' response is super cheeky. He asks, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? 
In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Jesus asking the Pharisees if they've ever read David is like you asking Jack Aitken if he's ever read C.S. Lewis. Or asking Jess if she's ever read Zadie Smith, or me if I've ever read the Melbourne Specialty Coffee Book. Of course they've read what David did. David is the hero of Jewish religion. And Jesus knows that he's their hero, and so tells them this story from, from 1 Samuel 21. And it's a story where David and his companions were hungry and in need, so they ate. Their circumstances were, were tricky. They ended up eating bread that they wouldn't usually eat. It wasn't the proper way about getting bread. It was consecrated. The priests were meant to eat it. But the men were hungry, and so they had some bread. It's very lame is. Jean Valjean, 24601. Eat the bread. Get it how you can. Now, Rob Adams, Rob's here today, and Jess, they were having a conversation after we got married. And he was comparing notes with Jess on, on cooking for me. Like, on Tuesday afternoon, I eat lunch at Helping Hand Cafe. And Tuesday evening, I eat dinner at Jessica Zam's Cafe. And um, Rob and Jess were comparing notes about how to feed this man with an insatiable appetite. And Rob tells Jess, he says, In Australia, you know what they say. Give the man some meat. That's, that was Rob saying for Jess, and um, we've been having, we had chicken last night, we, um, we put the kangaroo out, we're going to have kangaroo curry, but we defrosted it through the whole day, and it was very hot yesterday, and by the time we got to the kangaroo curry, the kangaroo smelled, but Jess had more reserve meat in the freezer, so we had chicken curry. She's been taking notes. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus says something similar. He says, in life... Let the men have bread. This is like, this is some of the best content in the Bible. Jesus is saying, hey, don't freak out on the rules and regulations. Don't freak out about the Sabbath or consecrated bread. If you're hungry, I understand. I'm fully God, but I'm also fully man. Do what you can. Get some food. This is, oh, I love this. This, like, this, is, this is a prophetic word for you, church. Next time you're driving past Macca's, don't freak out about the rules and regulations, the budget, the waistline. If you're hungry, do what you've got to do. Two McChickens and an Oreo McFlurry, please. <laughs> it's biblical. Mark 2, 26. Jesus is, saying, Jesus is saying live a little. He's saying have some bread. Because God's vision for life, this kingdom that, that Jesus is bringing in, is a vision for life. And his vision for life is not about prohibitions, but about provision. His system of Sabbath is actually not primarily about ceasing, but celebration. Sabbath, one translation of, of the word, does mean to cease, but it means we cease work so we can celebrate and worship. Jesus is saying this is not a day of rules and regulations, but a day of rest and relaxation. So relax in the patterns. Eat the grain. Unless you're gluten-free. The science had not caught up with the Bible times. Then this is, this is our key verse for today. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
What Jesus is saying here is Sabbath was made for people. People are not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath is not about people pleasing God, but God giving the gift of rest to his people. Who here knows Zoe and Charlie from our church? <coughs> Zoe and Charlie. They are, I think Zoe and Charlie win the award for best buds at our church. They are, they're inseparable at church. Materially speaking, though, like I'm sure Charlie gets a lot from Zoe. Joy, that smile, it's beaming. But materially speaking, Zoe is the big winner in the relationship, I think we can say. She gets the food, the house, the care. She doesn't do her own washing. She can't reach the washing line. She doesn't do her nappies. She's just like, I'm just going to do my stuff. You guys clean it up. Like... She's killing it. She's such a big winner. Her job is not to do anything for Charlie. Her job is just to be. Just to be Zoe. Just to enjoy it. Enjoy the blessing of being Megan and Charlie's daughter. And just go on living under their care. Living under their family, under their roof. There is, there is clear hierarchy in the relationship between Charlie and Zoe. And that is good. And so too with God and us. We are not on God's level. And so we don't have to do God any favours. We don't obey his ways to please him or to give him something. Rather, we, we be ourselves. We be Belinda. We be Patty. We be Charlotte. We be Phil. We be John. We just be. We live under his reign. We live in his ways. We live under his kingdom and enjoy the gift of life. When we live that way, when we obey. And so Sabbath, Jesus is saying here, is a gift from God. Sabbath means rest. And God made rest. He made Sabbath as a gift to his people so that they could flourish. Jesus is saying here something really important, that that people aren't made to serve Sabbath or even to serve God's commands. People are made to observe Sabbath. Observe his ways, because he made it for us. And then Jesus says, so the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath. He's saying here he's equal to God. We've seen this in in the story already, haven't we? But it comes up again, continually comes up again, that Jesus is revealing his authority is equal to that of Yahweh God. If Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, then he is the Lord, Yahweh himself. Have you ever read in your Bibles when it says the Lord in capitals? Have you noticed that when the L-O-R-D are all in capitals? That's a translation of Yahweh as the personal name of God himself. Jesus saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And when Jesus claims that, he's claiming that he is God. Amazing stuff. Then another time, Jesus is in the synagogue this time, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. So this is another Sabbath, because synagogue happened on the Sabbath. But this time, Jesus isn't in the paddocks, he's in in church. And there's a man with a deformity, a shriveled hand. The scriptures say some of them were looking, this is the Pharisees, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Nothing's changed. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Again, we've got Pharisees who are in church, but they're not participating. They're not worshipping, they're watching. 
They want this man with a shriveled hand not to get healed. They're watching, saying, will Jesus do this? And it's like, we're in Mark 3 now. Like, we know Jesus, of course, he's going to do this. He has the authority over the physical. He can heal. He's chill about the bread. Of course, he's going to be chill about healing on the Sabbath. And he does. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, he said, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And they remained silent. Jesus is asking, what is Sabbath really about? Evil and killing or goodness and life? And they have no answer because they know Jesus has them trapped. Of course, God is good. He is into life and goodness, not death and evil. Sabbath is surely, if it is God's, it is surely about goodness and life. But the Pharisees will not admit it because to them, Sabbath has become about ceasing for the sake of ceasing, not for the sake of the life that God offers. So Jesus looks around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn heart, says to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretches it out, he stretches it out, and his, his hand is completely restored. Then the Pharisees go out and begin to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus gets, gets cut at the attitude of the Pharisees. He goes ahead, he brings life to the man's hand. This man's hand was shriveled, and Jesus completely restores it because that's what Jesus does. Jesus brings life. And it's just a quick side note on the, a theology of healing. When Jesus heals, what he's doing is bringing life to something that, that had less life in it. He's restoring life because Jesus gives life. And then, verse 6 is really interesting because the Pharisees can't handle this. Jesus is rocking the religious boat so much that the Pharisees decide enough is enough and they begin to plot to kill Jesus. And this is the first we hear about this in Mark. If you've been around, most people here I think have been around church for a while. Even if you've been around the Western world, you've probably heard, spoiler alert, block your ears if you don't know, Jesus gets killed. Is that news to anyone? Sorry to spoil the story, but Jesus gets killed in the end. He's God, he's the Son of Man, the Messiah, the Lord of the Sabbath, the King of the Jews, and the Lord Yahweh himself. And yet his own people can't handle him and so want to kill him. Just because he's rocking the boat. He's saying God is more into goodness and abundant life than rule keeping. And so they kill him for it. Obedience is important. I want you to hear that. Obedience is important. But obedience is not important for the sake of rule keeping, but for the sake of life giving. And that is the message that Jesus gets killed for. So that's our, our study of the text. I just want to talk a little bit about Sabbath. Then we're going to sing and we're going to go on Sabbath. We're going to rest today. Unless you've got something already booked in. So Sabbath, I don't know if you saw, but Sabbath came up like every verse in, in that passage. Sabbath kept being raised. Jesus is saying here, Sabbath isn't primarily about rule keeping, but life giving. It's about food and healing. Like, that is a classic combination. Jesus comes to bring life and life to the full, where hunger is satisfied, brokenness restored. 
He is God and he comes to offer the life of God to everyone. And central to the life that God offers us is rest. Like I said earlier, Sabbath means rest and God rested on the seventh day. And so as humans, we're made in his image and we're made to Sabbath as well. We're made to rest every seven days. Now, like I said before, we looked at Exodus. This became law. It was Mosaic law. Observe the Sabbath. Don't serve the Sabbath, but observe the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Rest. Now, because Jesus was killed and rose to life and we are set free, this is the good news of Jesus, we are not under that law anymore. So there's this great debate in, in, around Bible colleges and scholars. Do we have to keep the Sabbath anymore? Who cares? Who cares if we have to keep the Sabbath anymore? The Sabbath is such a good and godly idea. Jesus said it was made for for us. So let's do it. At the very least, the very least, Sabbath is a gift from God and a way of reflecting who God is, the God who rests. So whether or not we have to keep Sabbath or not, let's, let's do it. If you're coming to Sunday school or you, you came last week, in Sunday school we're asking, how can we follow Jesus? The how. What are some actual ways we can begin to put ourselves in position to access the transformation of the Holy Spirit and become more like Jesus? And one of the ways we're going to look at it today is one of these ways, one of the how-tos is Sabbath. Sabbath is a day to be with God. You know how sometimes some of the ways we we access God or put ourselves in the stream of the Spirit is we spend time in prayer or we spend time in worship or we spend time reading the Bible or we spend time in church. Another way is just to spend a day. Not necessarily like praying and Bible reading and churching all day, but just being, just enjoying the life he gives, doing what is restful and worshipful, aware of his presence and goodness. Just spend a day. That's actually a spiritual practice. That's, that's a way we can access the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what Sabbath is. Sabbath is a day where we stop, we rest, we worship, and we enjoy the life God has given us. John Mark Comer says, whatever you do, run it through this grid. Is it rest and is it worship? If it's not both, you've got six other days. Go crazy with those things. If it is rest and worship... Happy Sabbath. Go crazy. For me, food, coffee, being with my wife, reading, exercising, seeing friends, all of these things for me are beautiful opportunities to celebrate God's provision, to celebrate his life and to rest. For you, exercise might be totally out of the question. If you're like, running is not rest. Running is hard, sweaty work. Then don't don't exercise on your Sabbath. Work out what works for you, but take a day to to rest and be worshipful. Some of the things you can rest from are are work, emails, technology, commerce. Rest from driving. Rest from obligation. That's one of my favourites. We just, when we do a Sabbath, we just say, no obligations today. You could rest from your phone. That's one I think I need to start working on more. I, I thought about it and then I was like, nah, but... Things I do like podcasting and watching NBA, I do on my phone. But I think maybe, maybe it'd be good to rest from your phone. Some of the things we rest from might be a sacrifice for our leisure, but they will enhance our rest. 
So resting from social media, that's a good thing to do on Sabbath. That might be tricky initially. But your heart will actually be rested by not seeing everyone else's amazing life and just being content with the life that God has given you. And you can also rest by doing. Rest isn't just not doing things. Rest can also be doing things. So you can rest by getting into God's environment or rest by being with family and friends or by doing your favourite hobby. If it's worshipful, by that I mean if it puts you in a place of praise and rejoicing because you enjoy the abundant life of God, his provision and kindness. And if it's restful, I think we know what, what that means, if it's restful, then go for it. Do those things. Take a Sabbath, worship and rest. Sabbath is a gift from God to us. Sabbath was made for man, for humans, for people. So accept and embrace the gift. Sabbath is not a day where you stop the things you were doing so you can do things for God. It's not this like six, six days a week I work for the man, work for the money, do my study, and then on the seventh day I put it aside and work for God. Sabbath is not that. Sabbath is God's gift to you. So remember... Sabbath is not about law-keeping, but life-giving. So work out what is life-giving for you and do that. Sabbath will help us in three ways. It will teach us and remind us of contentment, God-dependence, and God-awareness. God-awareness because we stop and rest. And when we pause, we become more aware of God. We hear his voice. It's like when we're in the shower. We have our best thoughts in the shower, don't we? Because we're not distracted. When, when we pause, we rest for a day, the distractions begin to fade and we, we hear God. We, we learn God awareness. We also learn God dependence. We so often think that life can be achieved by working more and resting less. But Sabbath teaches us that the world goes on without us. The world goes on even if we don't have our phones on or check out emails or do some more shopping. Sabbath teaches us that God is God and we are not. And choosing to stop is challenging, it's countercultural, but it begins to train us and help us realize that we're not the center of the universe. The world goes on. The world does not rely on us, but we rely on God. So we learn God awareness, we learn God dependence, and we learn contentment. Because the seventh day we rest and the week is done. We can't do more. What we have is enough. God has given us this life. He has set us free from the culture that consistently craves more, does more, is driven by anxiety for more, and we just rest. So spend your Sabbath not doing too much shopping or too much looking or dreaming of the things you don't have because Sabbath is for contentment, a day for worship and thankfulness and rest and contentment. The week is done. There's nothing more I can do. This will be really good for your soul. So to finish, I want to invite you to learn the ancient art form of practicing Sabbath. And please know, I will not be watching. You will not be marked on this. No one's going to be watching to make sure you keep Sabbath. But you are invited and you are encouraged to step into the life that God offers, a life that includes Sabbath. God made us to work, but he made us to rest as well. And so my invitation to you is, what can you do to Sabbath? Is there a day in the next seven days where you can Sabbath? Try to make it happen. Find that day. 
Bless you, my beautiful wife. (laughs) Find a day and ask, what can you rest from? What can you not do so that you can rest? Turn off your phone, turn off social media, shopping, driving. It doesn't mean you you cannot abandon your children. Still, (laughs) you can't turn everything off. But there might be one or two things you can do. Or you, if, you're, if you're married, you could you know, take a few hours off and, and swap or something. But whatever it is that you can do, you can not do to rest, do that. And then ask, what can I do to rest? Is it go out for a meal or get Uber Eats or delivery or go and get an ice cream or go for a walk or just wake up at midday or catch up with friends, hang out with family... Maybe read a book for hours without even worrying about what you've got to do next. Or maybe it's go down the coast to, to lawn or go up to the mountains, the Dandenongs. Ask, what can you not do to rest? And ask, what can I do to rest? And then whatever is restful and worshipful, whatever is life-giving for you, I invite you. This is, this is all you've got to do. What did you learn at church? What were you encouraged to do from church? Do what is life-giving. This is like the best application ever. Just do what is life-giving, what is restful and worshipful. If you can find a whole day this week, I encourage you to do it. If you can only find a half day or like a four-hour block, that's a great start. And I encourage you, find a period of time. God blesses time, Sabbath, and watch God work in you and watch God work in your soul. Let us pray. Let us stand while we pray. God, we just enter your rest. Thank you that you do not call us to anything less than than what is life-giving, that you give us life. And may we just find ways this week as a spiritual discipline, as the real hard work we've got to do for church this week, the real challenge from church this week. What a a bummer is to do what is life-giving, to have an ice cream or Uber Eats or rest. This is the best news, God. Help us. It's going to be challenging, though, so help us. Enter your rest. Enter your Sabbath. Amen.